0: off the ball. Does Lampard understand what his role is here? Oh, well, I've only been here a couple of days. Do you?
1: I can't sort out all the problems in that time. Are you still thinking, you're not here to sort the
0: Subscribe now to the OTB football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB sports app.
2: OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. It is time at 7.35 for the Gillette Lads performance rankings. I'll tell you about what's coming up later on in the show, but you know it's going to be uh, football, rugby, GA, and everything else. You know, that wasn't an all-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too hard to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not.
1: OTBAS
0: performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. The performances is just lacked that intensity. Boom.
2: Okay, coming up we have Alison Miller, Daniel Harris, Alan Quinlan and Anthony Moyles. Take it away Shane.
0: Yeah, well you said it already, we're going to start with women's rugby and um, I'm not going to use the word abysmal performance but abysmal result maybe I think probably sums it up quite well. 24-7 defeat for uh, for Ireland to Italy and Parma um, and it looks like a wooden spoon showdown with Scotland in a couple of weeks time but first it's going to be a round uh, four game against England next Saturday, April 22nd. And you'd be a bit, little bit concerned, I think, uh, about that game. Um, the match of the weekend, Ireland early on, I think you can agree, would dominate possession, dominate territory, but they just couldn't finish. Uh, the line-out was very poor, woeful, you might say. Um, and, and Greg McWilliams, after the match, used the word clinical a number of times, and the lack of uh, clinical finishing from this Irish team, they just couldn't seem to get over the, the whitewash at any stage um, with any conviction Um Put passes together. There, there, there doesn't seem to be a winger in the team that can really take players on either. Um, he made three changes to the lineup for the previous game, but there's so much inexperience. And this point was made on television and in plenty of punditry around the game afterwards. Clearly, this Irish team don't have as many caps as maybe some of the, the other teams in the Six Nations this year. And yet. That's a choice, though. It we is. should
2: point out that they, they're picking players who have fewer caps than picking players who have more caps who could have added some experience. And they could have, they could have chosen not to have the inexperienced team be lambs to the slaughter in the way so that, that's not like, uh, oh you know that's, that's a strategy
0: that yeah. they have decided on and that's their choice and that's their responsibility Even the, the try yesterday was a penalty try they've got 15 mm. points in total in the Six Nations so far which is which is really uh, per. Greg Williams speaking afterwards he was like I can't fault the, fault the effort of the players they've been outstanding we look at what we have to do to get better This was a theme of his uh, post-matches as well. We need to continuously get better, and that's what we ask of our players. I'm very proud of them coming away from home losing. I know how they feel. Uh, He he referenced some positives from yesterday as well. Nicola Friday speaking up in the dressing room. Sam Monaghan and Lauren Delaney he uh, pinpointed and named as well as players that had decent performances. Uh, And he said he had to say very little in the match beforehand or at half-time. But maybe more needs to be said now because the performances just haven't been good enough.
1: Totally. and the fact that like you say Shane the try was a penalty try you know and uh, like how Ireland didn't score in the stoppage time in the first half when they were on the cusp of the Italian try line and then it themselves and that summed it all up and like even just like very basic statistics like last year Ireland won this game 28-3 mm. they've won 19 of their previous 22 encounters with Italy and to be beaten so comprehensively like Alissa Dinka had a field day out wide and could have scored more than her two tries and just the fact that there's no real cohesive plan in attack or there's no off the cuff plan, there's no um ingenuity, spark of individualism and creativity out wide or even in the centres, um and just the constant change and even half back partnerships, there's just real no cohesion. The only thing you could say about this Irish team is that they have great spirit and work rate, but like how sick of we are we of saying that about Irish sporting teams in a global scale over the years? You know, we're going way beyond that. And unfortunately you look at the men's Irish team, you look at the women's Irish team, and you can't help but compare where they are. And it's just like, you know, we were saying in the pre-show meeting and, like, you know, Cathy McNamee herself was pointing out, like, there's been a lot of positivity since this result. And really, we should be way more honest with ourselves and not even patronise ourselves to the fact that, like, this is nowhere near good enough. And it goes to show that they we're miles away from where we should be.
0: The point is, as well, wasn't the ambition beforehand? We previewed the Women's Six Nations and the, and, the, the, and I think Greg himself had said that the ambition was to finish third. They're so far off being the the, uh, the team just behind England and France that... It's just, like, uh, you, if you worry that the game against England next weekend is going to be seismic in terms of result, they are not, are not going to win that game. Let's not, let's not uh, kid ourselves here. Oh, the spread could be 70, 80 points. 100%. Yeah. I'm concerned that it could be, that they could lose by over 100 points. Uh, you'd like to think there aren't enough minutes in the match for that to happen, but performance-wise, things just need to improve. They, they, they can't carry the ball, um, it's just individual errors at different points. And I don't want to be too harsh because I know that there's a lot of young girls in that team and there were positives that, that uh, Greg McWilliams rightly mentioned, like Delaney and Sam Monahan, and Derlin and Icavard was brilliant as well, in part. Um, so, look, there are bright shoots there. There aren't. There aren't bright shoots. Well, they're not bright shoots. A lot of the bright shoots they're, are... They're, the, not, they're not bright shoots, though. That's just like,
2: you know... I don't think... I think we shouldn't fall into the trap of, of saying there's, there's, there's nothing... There's actually nothing for them to hang their hat on after a performance
0: like this. Well, the bright shoots are in the sevens, aren't they? There are bright shoots. We're, they're maybe not in the squad um, for one reason or another. And we know there's plenty happening off the pitch uh, in Irish women's rugby that needs to be addressed as well, and we have addressed it in this show plenty of times, but it, it just leaves you wondering where and when Things are going to improve.
1: Well, you, you can't separate the two—the off pitch and pitch. It's, it's yeah. the re, you know that's it, one, one, yeah. One this, is a result of the other. This is what's happening. Like, they're, like they're they're bright. Like, Ethan Dalton was very good. Sam Monaghan was good. And like I said, the team spirit was good. But like that's it's nowhere near good enough. And the worry, like like you say, it like the spread against England could be it could be absolutely terrifying. Like they like England absolutely annihilated Wales. I can't find it at the moment. I'm sure the bookmakers are definitely trying to like thirty-one-five. You know what I mean? So if you do <laughs> basic logic, like you want to look away this weekend and there's, like, what can I get from this weekend? It's uh, probably improved displays in the back line, and just yeah. a bit, like, some sort of cohesion and attack would be promising to see. But really, you're looking for anything inside 50 points, and that's depressing saying that. I like, it, Italy weren't even great.
0: Like, it's not like we're looking at an Italy team here, like, oh, they're they're really drastically improving. Italy weren't fantastic. You know, this this wasn't a, a team that just blew us away. Um Ireland only conceded six penalties, I think, across the 80 minutes, which is, ordinarily, if you'd, if you'd said that before the game, you're thinking, well, Ireland are going to win this match. Discipline is clearly going to be good. But didn't matter about discipline, really. Uh, and the discipline of the line-out, I don't know what the, the hell is going on in practice in terms of line-outs. But, um, well, the, the Italy line-out wasn't great either, but it was just Ireland's worst. Yeah. yeah. Set pieces, you know, generally, uh, like set pieces generally were okay, yeah. but definitely not line-outs. <laughs> um, All right you be concerned. This is bad. It's getting
2: worse. There's no sign of it improving. And it's going to be a long, slow,
1: hard slog back to uh, respectability as opposed to a winning culture. Do you understand Greg McWilliams' positivity afterwards? Do you understand what he was trying to do? I, I think that uh, he has no choice. He can't come out and go, yeah. this is
2: abysmal. and He's the only It's going to get worse, you know? Like... Uh, I, I, it's a very difficult situation because, like, the article came out last week and I didn't hear any significant rebuttal from... So he came out and was like, oh, this is all historic. But I didn't hear anybody else from the IRFU coming out. I haven't seen the chief executive come out. And there hasn't been, like, a, a an open press conference where David Nusifora sits alongside the new chief executive and, and everybody comes out and says... These are our plans. This is what we're going to do. It's an open forum. You can ask us anything, and we will deal with whatever it is. Like, look at what happened in the Welsh Rugby Union. Like, they just want to be very careful that the the situation doesn't get out of hand. That the the difficulties that are being expressed are are openly addressed and honestly and transparently addressed, as opposed to saying, "Oh, this isn't this isn't true." These these are these uh suggestions that there is um sexism rife within Irish rugby in the wider terms um that they begin to address that because otherwise you can't like the the results are a manifestation of a decade and a half long uh, attitude and treatment of the game that 's the that 's the reality of the situation and until they actually come out and say fundamentally we have changed as an organisation and we are still on a transformation journey, we're not finished, we have loads and loads to go, then you're not going to see any uptick in performances. And, and individual green shoots or whatever of, of single individual
0: performances are just going to... They'll, they'll be swamped by by the culture. Well, it feels like an Irish women's soccer Liberty Hall moment that has not yet been addressed. That 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 is...
2: Well, that, that should ignored. have been the letter to the Irish Times at that time. Was it the Irish Times It was it just a general public letter? Or was it, I, however it leaked, right? Uh, that should have been the moment where they were like, okay, this, this is an opportunity for us. But instead it's been, I don't know, And they'll, oh, we've, got, we've invested loads of money and we have, we have some, we've got individuals whose job it is to fix this as opposed to actually culturally we've got this entirely wrong. And also the, the Sevens thing is like, that's a choice. Their strategy was to send the Sevens team off to qualify and they haven't qualified yet. And um, as a result, what the um, the fifteens performances, which are on terrestrial TV and being watched by everybody, they're getting swamped. And you're like, okay, well, you you made the decision to prioritise the
0: seven, so let's let's wait and see. Anyway, look, we're coming back to this in about fifteen minutes' time, so let's move on. Yep, yeah, let's move on, and uh, we're moving on to Newcastle and Spurs. Couple of couple of teams that let themselves down a little bit at the weekend. I know we're going to touch on Chelsea as well. Call them, I think. Um, but the Newcastle game is probably a chance for us to big up Aston Villa as well, Joe. don't worry. Uh, brilliant performance by Villa. Newcastle, you'd be concerned. I'm just looking at the table here. So you have Newcastle uh, and United still driving seat, you'd have to say, for those top four places. But um, Tottenham losing as well, just would we, we concern you. Ollie Watkins with the two goals for Villa at the weekend, Jacob Ramsey with the other. Villa have won five straight Premier League games for the first time since when? 2009? 1998 which is a bit a bit insane. Who's manager John Gregory could well have been one of those lads. There's a lot of villa managers you you, you so might I forget they about. Had great ones under Martin O'Neill. It's it's well, r- five wins in a row though. Oh. That's uh, it's proper
2: uh, leaving up the table territory. Well oh, true. Um Villa in the first half were as good as I've seen them. Mm. Like the the atmosphere at half 12 on Saturday morning was absolutely sensational and they completely controlled the game. In the second half at the start of the second half Newcastle came out and started to to cause a bit of trouble. Martinez had to make a few saves. And it's even kind of slightly better than that. Um, I, I, half time I was like, this is this is a transformational moment for Villa where whatever happens, the control they've showed, the creativity they've showed, the quality of football they've showed, they're not going to go back. And then you're a little bit worried about, ooh, maybe. But then they just come out and swat them aside. Yeah, And it was absolutely sensational. Like, it wasn't just Watkins. It was the whole team. It was players who've been dropped at various stages. Even even Emery has dropped some of the players and now they're back in the team and they're, they're like John McGinn's arse like one of the great sights in world football and it's in full glorious flow and, um, in that second half in particular that a goal disallowed for like a hair's breadth of an offside as well yeah. and that would have been a hat-trick for, for Watkins if, if that one had stood and he'd scored the two after that as well but it was a, an astonishing performance and it's an astonishing performance by Unai Emery and this is the one dark cloud on the Aston Villa horizon here is that Unai Emery is so bloody good that Chelsea must be looking at him going well, hang on a second. He's third in the table since the start of November. Yeah. What? Why Why is he third in the table? What's he doing? Let's just get him. Now, I don't think Unai Emery would be... Uh, if you were cancelling him, would you go to the basket case that is one of those other clubs? Not a chance. you got to stick with Villa now because the the, the uh, since Unai Emery arrived, start of the season table, they're just behind Manchester City and... Uh, just behind Arsenal.
0: Yeah, thirty-eight point twelve wins for out of the eighteen games he's been in charge in the Premier League. Like I was at Emery's first game in charge at Villa Park, and that was the the win over Manchester United. And you're thinking straight away, well, uh, could be new manager bounce, but fair play, good result. Turns out it was not a new manager bounce because it, it's, they're three
2: points behind Spurs. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it?
0: Well, like they're they're legitimately. I, I
2: actually think Brighton are probably more legitimately in the conversation for finishing top four at the moment. Uh, and that's why the Evan Ferguson injury is, is actually more concerning for them than just the semi final of the FA Cup. But like, Villa have managed to shoot themselves. If this was any other team, if, this, if Liverpool had gone on the run, right, that uh, Villa are on at the minute, everybody be like, ooh, they're still a dark horse for Champions League football here. Yeah. But like, they're actually a dark horse for Champions League football here because
0: they just annihilated Newcastle. If they keep winning. And if Ollie Watkins keeps scoring what is he? 11 of his uh, 14 goals this season have come in the last 12 games He's just a man nice on fire smart. Unai Emery turned down the Saudis He rejected approaches from Newcastle He was
1: their first choice so th- This could have worked out a hell of a lot differently Imagine know Eddie Howe felt mid-afternoon on Saturday I've just lost to the manager with was first choice for the job I'm in <laughs> yeah. You want to have a lot of self-belief Essentially um, So what he's done at Aston Villa is just quite remarkable
0: and and their rise continues. I know we said we're talking about Newcastle here because they're the ones in the red this morning. But we just had no room for Villa in the green. But exactly. um they are a hundred percent in the green. I do
2: like I I do think Newcastle can recover from this. But it is one of those bits where actually the big result of the weekend from top four perspective, I don't think Villa are going to make top four just for uh, for the record, right? But they have suddenly shot themselves into consideration for that fourth spot. I think now Manchester United are going to be grand. Um, and that's why they're win yesterday and that, that's why that uh, handball is actually a massive, massive decision that's going to, you know, ultimately make Man United loads of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good for the Premier League to have a good strong Man United, isn't it? Aye, yeah, what an important global brand they are and that's why they uh, always
0: get those results. Um, the other team in the red is is Tottenham. The dramatic 3-2 defeat against Bournemouth. Dango Uratara with uh, a beautiful goal, a little bit of a Federico Makeda vibe to the goal. Uh, a player that hasn't been used too much and it was a similar kind of finish cut inside and Curled in with the right-hand foot into the bottom right corner. Bournemouth now, when you look at the table, they are 33 points with 31 games played. So they're six points ahead of Forrest in the relegation zone and same amount of games played as Forrest as well. So those points on the board could be massive. Uh, and all of a sudden, Gary O'Neill and what he's doing at Bournemouth, uh, you have to be impressed. But how could anyone be a Tottenham fan and still be happy in their regular day-to-day lives? I just don't know. Um, they just let you down constantly. When <laughs> Young son opens the scoring, you're thinking, well, this is... This is going to be a good day for Tottenham Um, it just wasn't a good day for Tottenham and the performance wasn't great Richarlison's lack of goals is really starting to come to to the fore now as well Um, you'd just be concerned Uh, and you look at the
1: table in in that top four battle you wouldn't back Tottenham to finish top four at the moment certainly four wise How are they still as high as fifth? I know. How were Aston Villa three points behind him? It just goes to show the what was happening under Stephen Jared at Villa because, you know, Emery's doing such an unbelievable job. By the way, does English football owe Emery an apology after the, his treatment when he was Arsenal boss? He got a lot of criticism at that time. He's really well, showing him now. I was just reading back over the, the record. He did
2: okay, but then had a really bad transfer window and the team stuttered at the start of the next season. So that one bit that you'd be concerned about is... Um, just making sure that they sign the right players because there's not going to be a huge margin for error for Villa to uh, click into that top six proper next season. But very exciting. I, so uh, Brighton, if they win their game in hand, will be on 52 points, um, which would be four behind Newcastle.
1: Mm. Can they catch them? No, I don't think so. But Newcastle spurs this weekend. So like, why, why could Brighton not catch Newcastle? I think Newcastle will, as you say already, I think they'll react to that. I think that was a proper off day against Villa and they'll make amends. And I just don't think Brighton are going to catch them up. Having said that, wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if they did. I mean, they were stupendous against Chelsea. Again, another brilliant performance with Brighton. Mm. But I think Newcastle have a lot of muscle memory from how they recovered this season. Look at the League Cup final. They were insipid in that game and they weren't great going into that match and they've been very good since then. Don't think they're going to let it slip. In terms of finishing above Brighton, I mean, I'm still like... Jeez, like, who's going to get that fourth place? Like you said, Manchester United, I think, are safe now, just looking at the table here in front of me. And then you are looking at, like, Liverpool are probably too far behind now. They're five points behind Brighton in eighth. Um, Brentford have slipped away completely. So then you're looking at Brighton, Villa, Tottenham, Newcastle. (laughs) Liverpool have to win their two games at hand to be level with Villa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... From experience alone, you'd say Liverpool should get a fourth. But how many
0: seasons do we get a title race, a top four battle, and a relegation?
1: Yeah, I know it's been pretty, pretty The Premier
0: League this season has been excellent. We, we are really so lucky this season to have that. Um, I think what summed up the Spurs' performance the weekend was Davinson Sanchez's performance. He was on the pitch for twenty three minutes, replaced then by Dan Juma. Hugo Lloris spoke about it afterwards. He was booed by the fans. I've never seen this in my career. Lloris says, "I feel really bad for Davinson. He's a teammate. He's a friend. He's been fighting for the club for many, many years now." Uh, the story is sad for the club, the fans, and the players. So, when you see players like uh, Davidson Sanchez getting booed by the fans, you know things aren't right at Tottenham. Um, and, and Stellini, Christian Stellini, said during the week, We have to approach every single one of our last eight games or whatever it was in the Premier League like a final. And then they go into the match against Bournemouth and they lose 3 2. So,
1: concerns, concerns. But Newcastle and Spurs, I think, deserve it in I the, think they in the should red. replace Stellini till the end of the season. I think they should get someone in. Company is the favourite. No, I think between now and the summer, like for the last seven games yeah, I think they should get someone I, I don't think they're going to get fourth under Stellini I, I, I think they should be working now I'm sure get, Daniel Levy is, is working in. on
0: that at, the, at, the, at this moment like I don't has. know
1: what well, he was announced for the rest of the season but like the Newcastle game's approaching they have the rest of this week to sort that out I think they'd be mad not to look for an alternative to help Stellini even mm, make a change do you want to move on to Amber? we're still talking football Go ahead.
0: We've got a bit of Arsenal action. Sorry,
2: quick one. Any Sorry. news on Evan Lads? Asks Chris Kyle. In um, no specific news. An ankle injury, multiple weeks is what Deserve yeah. is saying. Fairly similar to the language that they used after his um, previous ankle injury. So two to three seems to be the suggestion. Yeah, it's a massive that, shame. If the n- semi n- final not an official. Um, and so you know, you would hope that there's some possibility. But that how it's good was he? Was.
1: Hits the hits the crossbar with the brilliant. effort, Ferguson nearly scores when he gets injured. And he was excellent. They were 1 0 down when he went off. Welbeck scored, his replacement scored within three minutes of coming on the pitch, but mm. Ferguson was uh, tearing Chelsea apart. And uh, a match today was noting how much they were rating this young man, Evan Ferguson. Yeah. And like we were saying last few weeks, like is, is he going beyond the Irish analysis of, oh my God, we have a Rabbi replacement? And it seems to be that the rest of the football world is starting to notice that this teenager seriously has a future yeah Brighton's scouting is obviously better than everybody else at the minute because they've got two teenagers
2: at the moment oh my god that goal if they could keep them together for the next couple of
1: years and you get the post you'd be like all right, things are going to be pretty good for these yeah
0: Uh, Ferguson should
1: go nowhere Deserby should go nowhere keep this project alive it's only getting going don't go anywhere turns out scouting works yeah absolutely It's one of the, honestly, goal of the season contenders in Seasol's finish because if you look at it, he takes one touch and the ball's going away from him to the right. So that's a really tough shot to um, pull off because you can easily scuff that near a post. But the trajectory of it, oh, it was beautiful. One for the cameras. Sword up.
0: Yeah, Uh, We'll go to the Amber. We'll go to Arsenal because uh, another two-goal lead that just dissipated uh, quite quickly against West Ham at the weekend for uh, Mikel Arteta and his team. He says afterwards, we have to remember we are still top of the league. With everything in our own hands. Um, and Martin Odegaard uh, kind of echoing those sentiments as well after the game. Some people already right now Arsenal are saying this is a sign of mental fragility. This is a sign that they're not ready for a, a battle for the title. And this is a sign that they're not experienced uh, in terms of winning a title. Uh, whereas Man City are. But uh, I wouldn't be that concerned just yet. I know they had the two goal lead. The sack of penalty was uh, fairly brutal. That's the turning to point of the season. The,
1: the penalty. Oh my God. That was for three one minutes later. It was two all.
0: Yeah, things can happen quite quickly in
2: football. Manchester City
1: it? are going to win the league. You're you're saying saying that they're coming? going to win the league. Yeah, they, there's no way they should be in amber. It's just that we didn't have enough reds, right? Oh, it, it's, it's extremely dark amber. It's, to it's, the point where you're looking from a distance. It's like, is that's that red. red. I, lads, hold on a minute here. No, what are you talking about, Shane? Come on. Like,
0: oh, they, they, they still have to play Man City. Exactly. <laughs> which gives them an opportunity. That's exactly. the worry. That's, the worry. Exactly. that's the week. Wednesday week.
1: They've, got, they've got
0: Southampton at home on Friday night. Yep. What what a game to bounce back! Yeah, I, I the agree The perfect with that. fixture to yep. bounce back. Yeah, so get the win there and yep. go into the Man City game with a little bit of renewed vigor and confidence. Surely, I know it's at the I know it's at the Etihad. I understand that, but but Arsenal are still in the box seat. Look at the table, like Arsenal. What four points clear of City? City of the game
1: less played. Exactly. It is going to come down to that. Look game. at the goal yeah. difference. City it's far superior. There is no way that Jack Greenish isn't talking to Roy Keane in the last day of the season and reflecting on another title win <laughs> like. They've blown it. I, I thought Arsenal did brilliantly at Anfield. I thought the 2 all was fair enough because they could have lost that game at Canadi. If Canadi's chest was a bit stronger, Liverpool would have won that game, 3-2. But yesterday, in title terms, is unforgivable.
0: Arsenal like, are only focused on their lead,
1: lads. City have the Champions League. City have the FA Cup. It will it, matter. It, that's worse. They have no distractions, Arsenal. They're out of all the Cups. But they no, they, no lost distractions sport. they should it. never have lost to Sporting. And now all they have to think about is, oh my God, we've lost four points from our last two games. Like that's all they're thinking about.
0: What if Erling Haaland uh, pulls a hamstring or does his Achilles in a uh, Champions League? Julian Alvarez doesn't matter.
1: It doesn't matter. They have so much yeah. going for them. is in the form of his life. Riyad Mahrez isn't even starting, and he's excellent. Oh, like there is. There's not a world where Arsenal win the title. City have clicked. It's game over. Should have been in the red here, as I
2: said. Yeah, this is his red, red, red. All red. It's, not, it's not
0: all doom and gloom, Arsenal fans. Don't don't listen to these it teams. It is. Just, I'm just, sorry, just they've asked.
2: got Champions League football to look forward to next season. They're going to be able to uh, sign whoever they want. And, uh, it's a big deal. Like, it's, a, it's a step up the ladder and there's still enough crisis at the other clubs to make you think at the start of the season they
1: will be Manchester City's nearest title challengers next year. But it's game over. The question is, has it been a brilliant season for Arsenal? They would have obviously taken second at the start Forest of the season. But the way cool. it's gone... It's a disappointing season. That's the debate that we're having on Sky Sports yesterday. Roy Keane, Gary Neville, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank. Neville in the camp of good season for Arsenal. The two lads saying they've ruined
0: it. Let me paint you a very quick picture. So Arsenal, as I said, four points ahead with a game extra played. Arsenal beats Southampton this this Friday. They go seven points clear of City with two games extra played. They go into next week, midweek, with two games extra played with a seven-point advantage. Mm -hmm. Get a draw at the Etihad. Just get a draw, right? Then you're seven points clear. Still. There's... Relax, Arsenal fans. Just get a draw at the Etihad. You can get a draw. Even if you go 2-0 up, you'll end up drawing 2 all because that's what
1: Arsenal do. I go as far as to say, even if Arsenal don't lose at the Etihad, that City will still win the league. Even so if Arsenal, okay. I think Arsenal will slip up elsewhere. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves.
0: It's, players a, players it's in their heads now. Yeah, fair. I'll take your point, but but I still think the title race is on. I'm trying to be optimistic for Arsenal fans out there.
2: The other thing, I saw somebody uh, at 2-0 going, ooh, this is a real good opportunity for... Arsenal to close that gap in terms of the scoring difference it's like mm, that tweet didn't age very well did it
0: if you, and if teams are thinking about scoring difference then they're in a bad place you've got to be points on the board lads forget about the goals just
1: win the game um, I know we have to move on but are, like Arsenal are brilliant at the start of the game just like they were against Liverpool so they have all the talent in the world it's just the mental side they, it's probably too early for them to win the league with this squad if they could do it again next year second isn't a bad result but they don't win the well I,
2: everybody said the same thing about Spurs when they pushed Leicester and that never happened you know you've got to take the window of opportunity when it arrives and also there was a flakiness around Man City at the start of the season when they were trying to work out how to make Erling Haaland work that might not be there next season City might start next season with 15 wins and like the season will be over by Christmas and we'll be like oh yeah that was a kind of weird situation wasn't it where actually there was an opportunity for somebody else to win the league who isn't Man City
1: true I have more faith in this Arsenal side though than Spurs yeah I do I think it's an, geez, it, they, have a, they have a brilliant squad no it Spurs are an excellent next squad next season too.
2: they're going to have Champions League football week in yeah. week out but they'll improve their squad I think
0: uh, yeah they'll have to improve it massively yeah yeah alright let's go to the green and um, a woman who has been so close and, hmm. and one of those mentions that we are we going to her first yeah. Rashida Adelecki. Uh deservedly so the uh, the tall, 20 year old what a weekend for her um, just a day after breaking her Irish 200 metre record What is she going to do? She becomes the first Irish woman to run below 50 seconds for the 400 metres. She's only taken up the 400 metres very, very recently in comparison to a lot of uh, runners out there that she's competing against in these races. Um, And the fact that she was able to run so fast. So this was at the uh, Tom Jones Memorial Invitational in Florida. Not that Tom Jones, I don't think. Uh, She was running for the University of Texas. She runs 49.90, finishing second behind Britton Wilson. Um, That was an American runner who beat Adelecki back in March uh, over a similar distance. Uh It took 0.43 off her previous best for the distance, which was also the Irish record. That was back in February. So she's not just breaking her records, she's obliterating records. These might sound like marginal uh, shades of seconds, but they are quite significant to these uh, distances. Um, she said in March she's still unsure what her limits are in 400 metre racing. Uh, but if you compare um, what she's done, it, it just... Is quite incredible and you're starting to get a little bit excited about Olympic Games and, and her age profile as well. Um, and I know Michael Johnson was tweeting about her quite recently, we mentioned on the show, and giving her little tips in terms of keeping her arms uh, straight and using her arms more while running.
1: That was really interesting, yeah, that fascinating. feedback. If she starts using her arms properly, she's going to be even better again. And it seems like every single weekend, like you said, she, like she's somehow not making these let performance rankings. and She's just creating record after record. And we were in our own chat this weekend and our own Dara put it into the chat like we have to put out again now. Because it was another record. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, here we go again. I thought it was an old article. But that's how frequently she's breaking her own records. <laughs> that 400 metre time, by the way, had she been in Tokyo in the Olympics, she would have been sixth with that time
0: and fourth place in last year's Worlds. Now, clearly runners are getting faster, but it kind of just highlights where she is. So she would have been in the Olympic final 400 metres and she's only taken up the distance. So that just sums up how fast she is really weird decision not to bring her to the last major championships remember the time
2: and they were like oh no I remember that, that like what was going on somebody needs to be uh, that decision needs to be revisited but also shows the benefit maybe of the US collegiate system which kind of had maybe fallen off as a, a a life ambition for a lot of Irish athletes saying oh you can you can stay at home and you can really be world class but whatever um, the quality of coaching she's getting is is obviously helping
0: those facilities, I've been to those athletic facilities in the University of Texas in in Austin, and and uh, I once did a couple of laps around it. I was staying in Austin by myself doing a, a documentary on space. I said I'm going to go go at night time and do a few laps. What I didn't realise, I was just thinking, is there's going to be load of like general joggers out? Uh, what I didn't realise was well, there were actual national and international athletes sprinting past me on this unbelievable spongy track. And I was like, what am I doing here? I must look at this pasty Irish guy going. No, this is ridiculous. So she has facilities there. She's got talent. She's got people behind her. She's only twenty years of age, um, and if she keeps splash, smashing records like this, I don't think we can possibly yet fathom what her ceiling is.
1: Well, yeah, objectively, we're looking at another world-class Irish athlete. It's a lot to get excited by.
0: Hype train like Evan Ferguson. We're gonna absolutely choo 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 choo. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's choo choo onto the, the other green because uh, uh, the small matter of um, Monan and Tyrone in Omeyastre at Healy Park. I was there myself in the main stand. Quite excited,
1: let me tell you. Sorry, can I ask you, because I need to set this up for you. Yeah. When Ryan O'Toole picks the ball up, 1-on-1, mm-hmm. Lionel Morgan from a tight angle. What's your first thought?
0: My, my my immediate first thought was, oh, this is very similar to the position in which he got the ball against Mayo and buried the ball. But this is a totally different scenario. All I'm thinking was, and I was screaming it internally, fist the ball over the bar. We've had a good second half. We'll take them to extra time and we'll beat them in extra time please, Ryan, fist the ball over the bar. And then he kicks it
1: through the legs of Now Morgan and I lost my lost my mind. And he said that afterwards, Sue, that the first thing in his mind was to fist the ball over the bar and he thought, alright, I'm one 1-1 one with Morgan, why not?
0: You know what I would say about this? So you'll have to know I'm, a, I'm an optimistic, fairly optimistic person. I generally tend to be optimistic naturally, I don't have to force it. Um, Monaghan people generally are optimistic. I think as a, as a folk, it's because we're at the, bo- at the border there, we're quite entrepreneurial, we're quite... Uh, ingenious when it comes to little ways of making a few extra quid, possibly <laughs> we're um, quite ingenious yeah 100% but Monon people are eternal optimists but look at the way Monon five, five years out of the last nine staying up on the final day of the league it's all over yesterday when McCurry puts that last point over and gives, them, gives her own the one point advantage there are 30 seconds left on the clock and then the goal wins the game. They don't even bother with the extra time. There's a quote in, in Breaking Bad, Lads, where Walter White is talking about his cancer and going to get his treatment and he's driving to the hospital with his family and he just wanted every traffic light to turn red. But he kept hitting the green lights and he was like, for once in my life, would the traffic lights just not go, go red? Yesterday I was driving home in traffic with all the other and fans through the Ballygally roundabout, through Aknitcloy, through Garvahi and I was absolutely loving the traffic. All the Monaghan fans were just coasting through life in the lovely evening sun, heading home to Monaghan through Tyrone, all the little villages and towns of Tyrone, and um, the traffic just didn't bother me.
2: So, are you, are you beeping the horn as you
0: go? a little bit. The little uh, uh, uh. finger up. Yeah, hundred percent. It was. It was which just finger up. Sorry, which finger up? Just uh, the the little wag. Do you know the country wag. When you have the hand on the wheel. You do that. I are mean, we Um Tyrone one eighteen, Monaghan two seventeen. What a what a like. What an advertisement for Ulster football. Who said Ulster football is crap and dour?
1: Points down um, at half time as well. It was impressive. You might want to do a shout out for Conor McManus, will you? Oh, we go.
0: I mean, that free kick at the end, um, to give Monin the, the advantage once more was remarkable. He sends Began, Began back where he came from. Uh, Began had missed a couple of kicks. He, I thought Began's distribution second half from kickouts was brilliant, all bar one or two kicks maybe. Um, but McManus just to have the the to to take that out of the hands and and, and knock it over, even Kilpatrick the Toronto midfielder who was kind of sh- saying things in his ear as he was about to kick it McManus po- uh, literally just goes over to him and says something back to him after he's kicked it over the bar and Kilpatrick all he can do is, is smirk Carlo O'Connell's running game was outrageously good um, Steve O'Hanlon I mentioned him last week as a, as a, as a person who has gone back into the Monaghan squad I think I was asked what Monaghan's chances were against Toronto and I, and I pinpointed Steve O'Hanlon as a, as a someone Michal Bannigan as well who scored a brilliant point in the second half Conor McCarthy was largely quiet for, for uh, uh, portions of the game especially in the first half and he pops up with two brilliant scores uh, in the second half McManus described Rory Began as the quarterback uh, at the end of the match and you see him bombing forward with the ball in hand reaching the Monaghan 45 metre line and, and that pass into Carl Gallagher diagonally uh, for the first Monaghan goal Gallagher lays it off to Stevie O'Hanlon and O'Hanlon does what he does he looks one way shimmies beats Conor Myler by the way yeah I mean it was uh, like uh, uh, every
2: aspect of that was Incredible class because it was not an easy thing does what he does like yeah I mean uh, against Tyrone <laughs> yeah.
0: with everything on the line Manon were two points down at that point so to score the goal all of a sudden Manon are thinking well we have an advantage now let's let's change the, the way the approach to the game and they did have a change of approach they said let's let's play on our own terms in the second half let's play in the front foot uh, I do
2: think that we probably um, because we're living through the Conor McManus era and there's been other great forwards of his generation but like He's, he's entering a new pantheon of conversations. Like, just uh, to be able to do this at this stage of his career is remarkable. Yeah. Like, uh, at this stage of their careers, everybody else was slowing down. You know, and becoming bit part players or changing the roles, going out to play centre forward and, like, be the quarterback of the team instead of, like, no, I'm going to kick the nine points <laughs> against Tyrone.
1: <laughs> Yeah, nine from nine at 35 years of age. It's ridiculous. When I mentioned his name, I was just thinking Monaghan's Mount Rushmore and how solidified he is as possibly the top spot. Tony Corey said afterwards, he's Monaghan's greatest ever player. I wasn't even a... Like, and you'd be like, of course he is. Now, now you're kind
2: of starting to have conversation. Actually, you know what? To do what he did for Monaghan uh, all those years, like where does he where does he begin to rank in all-time... Mm.
0: All-time great forwards. He's in conversations. He has to be. And oh, then, we can get back to it for sure. The point was made, he's, that's his 60th championship start in a row. That's yep. that's outrageous. He made his debut in 07. It's been well publicised that he never played County Minor, didn't make Minor, was a skinny wing half-back before they decided, oh, this lad can actually, he can actually shoot. Let's put him up in the full forward line and the half forward line at first, but uh, it just worked. He's outrageously good and uh, the, that second half performance, the Derry semi-final in Ulster is going to be a cracker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a totally different game, but uh, looking forward to it. Very good. Derry are delighted by this, by the way. They're like, yeah, you guys, off you go. You, you enjoy
2: that crack now. We were, like, amazing, by the way. We, we, we fixed all the problems that we had the previous time. The last time you saw us against Dublin, for example, we now have forwards so, and a, a style of playing in the
0: forwards. So we shall see. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. Three seventeen, I think Derry put up. So, yeah, modern in the red. Sorry, not in the red. Modern will never be in the red this year, lads. It's going to be a long summer. Modern in the green. That's the performance rankings.
1: OTBAM's performance rankings
2: with Gillette. AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.